Well, good morning. See, now I had to do this in the first service too. That was lame. Come on, you can do better than that. Good morning. Now we're awake. Good. Hey, I am very, very glad to be here with you this morning. As Jake said, my name's Keith Peeler, and uh, usually I like to just give a little bit of who is this guy, why is he here, where's our regular preacher, we like him better. So uh, let me just tell you who I am first. There's a picture up on the screen here of my family. Love to introduce you to my family. Oh, thanks, Jake. Oh, or whoever that was. That, I thought it was you. You were a jokester. Oh, see, good for you. You're rubbing off on them. Uh, so this is my wife, Megan, uh, my oldest daughter, Hope. Olivia is my middle daughter, and Cole, who's down here in the front row. Hey, buddy, is down there. So uh, that's my family. And uh, brief background, my wife and I moved to Dallas about eight years ago. I was called to Dallas to be the college director at Highland Park Presbyterian Church, a sister church of Highland Park Methodist, and uh, was there for five years. And uh, part of our story was I started paying attention along the way in my own history. I grew up in a Methodist church, became a Methodist youth minister. God kind of brought me to a Presbyterian church along the way. And I started just thinking about what, what really transformed my life. What was it? And, and at first when I was kind of in the youth group age, I started going to my Methodist church because there were cute girls there. And as I was there, I heard the gospel message, and it started to penetrate my heart. And as I grew and I, and, I, and I saw what the Word of God could do in me, I started paying attention to what was transforming me. And I, and I realized it was relationships. The people that surrounded me and spoke truth into my life that were genuine with me, that challenged me when I was wrong, loved me and encouraged me when I was right and was my cheerleader, that those people that spoke truth into my life were a smaller group of people and they transformed me through the power of the gospel even more than my Sunday morning experience was. And so I started thinking, okay, God, we, I've done ministry now for 20 years and, and my heart is really for people who are far from God that would never come to a church how do we share the gospel in an honest way with people like that? So I, we planned stuff at the churches. We did this. We did that. But, but it was pretty clear to me in my 20 years working inside the walls of a church like this, and I love this church and I love my church, I had an epiphany. The church as this structure is only effective for people who are willing to come to church. You hear what I said? The church in its structure, as we gather here on Sunday morning, is only effective for those who are willing to come here. And so I started trying to figure out, well, how do we take this out there? So three and a half years ago, my wife and I left our comfortable role in a wonderful church in a great house in a great neighborhood, and we found a wonderful house in a great neighborhood here in East Dallas. And we did about six months. It was kind of this crazy prayer driving thing where uh, my, you know you get your kids in the car too long when you're driving around praying, praying over Dallas when they say, do we have to watch another movie? Think about it. Anyway, so we would prayer drive the entire city, and where was God leading us? We found this house, and we went on staff with a missions agency and said, we want to live life in such a way as missionaries full-time 
that people can engage the gospel who would never actually be willing to come to a place like this or to a place like Highland Park Prez or Methodist or Watermark or fill in the blank of all of the plethora of churches that we have here in Dallas. And that's what started shaping and molding us because what really was at the heart of the message for me in the gospel was about freedom. That's the title of my sermon today, To Be Free. And one of the things I started paying attention to is that even those around me in my church weren't necessarily free. Like there's a cultural expectation in Dallas that it's still normal and okay, and, and maybe even a good idea, if you've got kids, of course, to come to church because it's good for the society. And it misses the mark of the transforming power of Jesus with that. In fact, I was, I was at a Sam's Club a few weeks ago getting some things, and, and this idea in our culture happened to come about through this interaction I had with this woman. And as I'm walking by, this pregnant lady is next to her car. She's putting some things, and she says, pardon me, sir, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm really not supposed to lift anything heavy. Would you put this in my car? It's a crate of water. Sure. Put it in the car. And she says this, awesome. Now you've done your good deed for the day. Winning, <laughs> right? This is the mentality of the culture we live in. As long as you do one good thing a day, you're cool. And fortunately, God was with me in the moment, and I said, oh, that's just the beginning. And I wondered how she may have thought about that later. This is what happens to us sometimes in our churches, we have the same mentality of, well, as long as I go on Sunday, I'm good. And we miss the deeper, greater message that, no, what, what this is, it's, it's not about coming here. This is about finding freedom to be who God's called you to be and set free from the sin, the bondage, and shame of the world that we live in. That's what following Christ is about. I'd like to read some scripture, but before I do, I'd, I'd love to pray for us as we begin to hear from the word together. So pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you that in this day and this time, you have prepared our hearts and our minds to be present in this place to hear from your word. I pray, Father, that uh, as I've been given authority to preach you this morning and the opportunity that in Jesus' name, anything that is unclean or anything that is not uh, of the Lord would have to go now in Jesus' name. Nothing could be here to distract us or dissuade us from the truth that you have for us. So God, be near to us, transform us. And as all of those lyrics from those songs are just rolling through my own head and my own heart. Father, just be near to us as we draw near to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to read you this scripture. This is from Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, 
and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those that live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us, become, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Recently I had an experience where I got to really embarrass myself. Ever had one of those moments? I, I embarrassed myself publicly because, because my heart was filled with anger. I was not being led by the Spirit. I was, I was acting out of reaction to something tangible that happened in my life, and, and I embarrassed myself. And I had to publicly apologize because, because I embarrassed myself, because I was not doing what I just read from the Scriptures. And, and I started realizing that, that if the power of Christ has set me free, and if I'm being led by the Spirit, then that's what will activate in f- me to be free so that others might be free. See, part of our heart in, in recognizing that transformation happens in relationship was this. I, I, I did, I've done evangelism all around the world. I, I've been on crusades. I've done different things like that. I, I've been in in certain neighborhoods in Dallas where I've knocked on doors and shared tracks. I've been knocking on doors in Cuba, Africa, and India. And, and I started paying attention to my own life and these interactions that I was having. And I realized, wait, wait, wait a minute. What really transformed my heart for Christ? And it wasn't some transaction of a person knocking on my door. It, it was with people around me who knew me. So the basis of the ministry that we live is I, I raise support as a missionary, but I have a part-time job as a photographer, and my wife is a speech therapist. And out of those things, it gives us access to people who just are welcomed into our home. And so we use this quote a lot in my house. It's, I don't put it up before everybody, but it's on my refrigerator. There's a quote from a guy named Henry Nowen. And this is the idea of hospitality, according to Nowen, and, and this is the way we try to live our lives Hospitality means primarily the creation of free space where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. It is not to bring men and women over to our side, but to offer freedom, not disturbed by dividing lines. We live in a culture that is polarized by our media, by our Facebook, by our opinions about whatever the freshest, hottest topic of the day is. And I will not mention them because I won't go there, but you know which ones are out there. And we are polarized in our society by this division. 
and we have conversations on Facebook and post our jabbing opinions and can't believe she said that or he did this and I'm guilty, I've been there. But what happens when we engage people in a life that they can come to know us? Hospitality is the opening of your doors, the opening of your heart, the opening of your life to let others in. I was preaching at a church two summers ago, and they were a little bit uh, confused by the point of my message. And the point of my message was this, stop going to church. Uh, Keith, you're at a church and you're preaching. You're not supposed to say that. Here's the point. It wasn't that you shouldn't come to church. I challenged them to think differently about what this place is on Sunday. Because so many of our churches in America are so wrapped up in the stuff that we do for us that we have no time for our neighbors. How many people did I meet along the way that would go to church six, seven times a week and yet their neighbor was hurting next door and they didn't even know it? We are disconnected and, and unaffiliated because, well, they don't really look like me. You know what? This lifestyle isn't really my lifestyle. I'm uncomfortable with that. And the power of the gospel will have to challenge you to get over yourself for the sake of the other. I had an interesting experience, uh, and this may make some of you uncomfortable, and if it does, I apologize. You can talk to me later. But I was sitting on my front porch, and a young woman, as I was sort of raking before I picked up my daughter from Lipscomb Elementary, she's walking by, and I said, hey, how you doing? Great, how you doing? She gets halfway across my yard, and she says, hey, Excuse me, do you, do you have a cigarette I can borrow? I said, no, I'm so sorry, I don't smoke. I you know, wish I could help you out. And she walked on by. I walked down after I got my car, I forget which I did, and I'm picking up my daughter, and I saw the same young woman at the school where my daughter was, and I saw her picking up her daughter. And so here's my fifth grader, and I'm sitting there talking to my fifth grader, and I said, hmm. I said, hope you know I'm thinking about something. Well, what, Daddy? I said, you see this lady over here? She asked me if I had a cigarette. So I'm thinking about buying a pack of cigarettes and leave them on the front porch. She goes, what? You can't do that. What do you mean I can't? Well, it's cigarettes. Those are wrong. It's bad for you. Well, I say, yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily smoke, but, but what if as an act of hospitality, by offering her cigarettes, she might sit down and I might get to know my neighbor? And she said, I don't even understand you, Daddy, right now, right? And I just said this to her as I was thinking about it. I said, Hope, here's the thing. I just don't want something that isn't like me or that I'm not comfortable with to get in the way of an opportunity to share Christ with somebody. Because the power of the gospel sets you free. And most of us don't even know what that feels like. Because a lot of us have come from places where you were supposed to go to church. And, and going to church was this thing that was heaped upon you out of shame or guilt. And not out of a sense of come and be a part of this life. And when, when we hear these verses 
in Galatians, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. In Isaiah 61, a prophecy spoken about the coming of Jesus 700 years before he came said this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners. The message of the gospel isn't just be a good little boy or girl and one day you too can get into heaven. The message of the gospel is this. Christ died that you and I would be free. That we would have life and have it abundantly. When you are free, you have no need to convince another to come to your position. When you're free and you know who Christ is in your heart, you have no reason to argue with anyone that disagrees with you. Because the power of the gospel is out of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, and self-control. See, freedom is what Christ wants for us. The power of the gospel says that, hey, it's not about where you've been, it's not about what you've done, it's not about what you think you're going to do. What this is about is the life that you have been called to. And Psalm 139 says this, and I love this. We pray with this a lot with people. God knit you together in your mother's womb. Now, I'm not a knitter. I don't understand knitting. I don't know how, but I can tell you this. I'm pretty sure that when someone's knitting, they don't just randomly grab some needles and go, I don't know, we'll see what it is. Right? What do they do? They pick the right needle, the right thread, and they know what they're going to make before they make it. This is what God has done for each and every one of us in this room. He knit you together in your mother's womb. And he sent his son that you would be free to be who he made you. That is the power of the gospel. That is what Christ calls us to. I was up here on Thursday in preparation, kind of doing the detail meeting with Andrew and the team. And I stayed here for a while and I did some praying around the room. And, and as I walked by, I'd already selected this scripture uh, another scripture I was thinking about, 2 Corinthians 13, I mean 2 Corinthians 3, and I looked over in this wall, and there's a painting of this scripture that I had already prepared before I got here. And that painting over there, you can see it to my left, your right. Maybe you can't see it from the balcony. You should check it out. It just simply says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And here's the verse reference. But whenever anyone, anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, that is a, that's a picture of, of exposedness. That is a picture of intimacy and closeness, not of a distance, but of a veil being pulled apart, and you, you being completely exposed in all of your wonderful stuff and junk. With unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory. And we are being transformed into his image 
with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, I grew up going to church. I love the church. I love coming here, and, and being a part of this this morning is amazing for me. But what I want to challenge you with, I want to love you with, is this. One, if you're not free, then get free. And come and talk to somebody after the service or talk to Andrew or one of the staff members here about what it really means to know Jesus and to know how to be free. That's my first hope for you. My second hope is this. If you are free, stop keeping it to yourself. What can hospitality look like in your life? Look, I'm a high extrovert. My introverted friends, y'all are going to do this different than I do it. You shouldn't open your home the way I do. But hospitality is not about a party. It's about creating space for others in your life. My senior pastor that, that I recently served under, Dr. Ron Skates over at Helen Park Prez, says this often. You either are a missionary or you need one. The message of the gospel is clear. Love your neighbor as yourself. The message of the gospel is clear. You were born to be free. The message of the gospel is clear. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has paid the price. Because of that, we enter into glory. We enter into the presence of God made new. As the word says, we are new creations in Christ. But as this verse reminds us, our flesh wars against us. And I fail, and you fail, and we're going to fail. But that's not where we focus. We focus on the glory that is within because the message of the gospel says, I made you. I love you. I sent my son to die for you so that you could be you. So stop trying to be like others and be the fullness of yourself in the way that God made you according to his word. And out of that, when, when, when people come to us, my wife and I have a prayer ministry and, and often we, we do healing and deliverance ministry for people that have been afflicted and are in bondage. We pray for two, three, four, five, six, ten hours with people. And you know who gets free? We pray for people all the time and some of them don't get free. But the people that get free, you know who they are? They're the ones that are willing to say, I'm ready. They're the ones that are willing to open their hearts to this message of the gospel. And when that heart opens, when, when the power of the gospel comes in, freedom, 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 freedom. When I get stuck in my stuff, when I don't get enough sleep, when, I don't, when, I, when I'm not hearing from the Lord because I'm not waiting on him, man, I blow it. Speak poorly to my wife, my heart of my kids, frustrated with people around me. I'm outside of myself. My dad said this a lot as a kid growing up when he sent me off to college. Don't forget who you are. That's why we gather here. We come here to remember who we are. And you, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, you are free. You are free. You are free. In Jesus' name, amen.